Shalom, Mishpocha. Shalom, family. Mishpocha is a Hebrew word. It means family. <laughs> We're the Mishpocha, the family with the Jewish heart, made up of Jewish and non-Jewish people with a middle wall of separation between Jew and Gentile. It's finally come down to form one new man, one new humanity, getting ready, Mishpocha, to blow the grandest shofar, oh, the grandest trumpet in Zion. We want everyone everywhere to hear the good news. We want everyone everywhere to be red hot for the Messiah. Let me tell you what God is speaking to me. We had a season in which there was such an emphasis on the Holy Spirit. It started the whole charismatic movement, and rightfully so, because the Holy Spirit, there wasn't much of an emphasis on him. And then there was such an emphasis on the name of Jesus, the power in the name of Jesus, and rightfully so. But we haven't had that same revelation on God the Father until now. Why haven't we had that same revelation? Because just before the Messiah returns, God says in the prophet Malachi, He would turn the hearts of the children to the fathers and the hearts of the fathers to the children. And I was so excited when I got a hold of Hank Kuhneman's new book, My Heart Cries Abba, because we now have that revelation. Uh, Hank Kuhneman, you have such a biblical revelation and prophetic going from Genesis to the book of Revelation on the love of Father God that I believe that everyone that wants that revelation, and I can't imagine a believer that doesn't, by the time they finish your book, they're going to get it. How, How did you happen to even write this book, what, 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 what was the catalyst, Hank? I learned this revelation, Sid, is I was driving in a very bad ice storm. Uh, you know, in Nebraska, we have some really bad ice that comes. And this one particular day, I was driving, and it was very, very icy. You have to really slow down, and you have to drive carefully because the roads are extremely, extremely dangerous. In fact, there were uh, cars and trucks, semis that were overturned. Cars, uh, you know, literally on their sides, some on their tops. And I was really beginning to, to be afraid. And I could feel the sweat coming down my face. And I saw that the conditions were worsening. And so I called out and I said, Lord, I need your help. I want you to watch over me. I need you to watch over the situation. And of course, I was saying it in fear. And all of a sudden, I heard a very strong but gentle voice saying, Hank, why wouldn't I take care of you? After all, I am your Abba. And when he said those words, Abba, it's almost like my spirit being began to uh, reverberate, just vibrate, Abba, 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 Abba. And, and I couldn't shake it. And it's almost like as I was driving in this ice storm, all I could focus on was the word Abba. And so I began to go home and, and research, you know, the definition of Abba. What did it mean? And why did Jesus in the garden, uh, in his moment of incredible pain, pain and uh, a feeling, you know, with, with great drops of blood as he was sweating, and it was in his time where his soul was vexed. Why, of all things that he would cry out in Mark 14 to his heavenly Father, he would use the word Abba. And so I began to say, you know, God, with my life and the things that I've gone through, or people who are living today, 
there's a real sense that people are hurting. They've been through some things. Some people, their souls have been, you know, vexed. And, and I said, God, I really sense in my heart that this is the final revelation of what you are going to reveal before the Messiah comes, and that is a reconciliation or, or a bringing back of the people, connecting them to the heart of who God is, Abba. And so that's why I wrote the book, and that's really how it began to come to me. And I, I, want, I want to tell our listeners right now that oh, we're friends. I'm friends with Hank. I recently spoke at his church, and Hank opened up to me and told me some personal things that he has never publicly shared. And uh, he wasn't sure he wanted to share it. And uh, you told me that recently you heard the voice of God. And what did he tell you? The voice of the Lord spoke to me and said, Hank, the reason why you were born into the family situation that you were born into that we're going to talk about here, he said, is because I want you to share a story, a testimony to help other people. You know, I've learned something. I've been in the ministry since 1986, and said I've learned the importance. We have to be honest. We have to be genuine. We have to be able to share our stories that can empower and help somebody else. And, I, uh, you know, as you and I have discussed, I am so sick and tired of plastic Christianity. If we can't be real, who can? Well, I don't think we're helping anybody. You know, we're supposed to be ministers of reconciliation, and sometimes the way that you reconcile is through being honest, being open, and being transparent that can help people who can identify with what you've gone through. And really, in my book, Ava, I talked about how there was, you know, three types of fathers. And I began to understand that, you know, there's the biological type, uh, of, of, of a father where, you know, they're just basically what we would call the, uh, the sperm donor, but they're not one who stays around and raises that child. Uh, or there's the provider and the protector. You know, they're the kind of father that, you know, they put a roof over the head, they, they protect, they provide, but there's not a lot of love and affirmation. And then there's a third kind of father that maybe some who are listening today have had the honor of having that. That is the father that affirms them, looks them in the eyes and tells them, hey, you know, I love you. Well, I didn't have those examples growing up. I had the uh, biological uh, example. Let me give you what I'm, what I'm saying. And again, so this is the, really the first time that I've really opened up on this level like this, because it was something that I felt like, you know, I just needed to just kind of hold on to, not really let anybody know about it. But the more I realized that I was writing this book, that God was after something. He was after the hearts of man, and he wanted to heal some people who've been broken, who's been wounded. You know, people who are saying, you know, can I, can I love God that way, like a daddy, because of their own experience of their own uh, either absence of a father or their own experience with a father. And so people are crying out, and they're saying, you know, is God angry at me? Is he ashamed of me? Is he willing to get involved in my life now? And so I grew up, I had a, a biological uh, father. I never met him. Uh, he's not alive today. But uh, he uh, was a biological father. He married uh, my, my, my mother, and, and at the age of one, he left, and left her with two kids, and uh, went, went on his way. And I never 
you know, I didn't ever come to know him. And so for years, I felt like I had to hide this thing that I wasn't, you know, my name is Kuhneman. And I felt like I had to hide this thing that I was not a blood Kuhneman. And something that people need to understand. So, so you almost felt as a kid in a kid's mentality, second class. Well, I'll tell you why I did. Because the, uh, uh, my, and then let me just kind of tell you, move ahead just a little bit. My mom remarried and married uh, what would be what some would call my stepdad, even though I never called him a stepdad. I never referred to him as uh, by his first name. He adopted me as one of his own at the age of two. And he had four kids from a previous marriage. My mom had me and my sister from my biological father. And so when they came together, my, it would be my uh, adoptive grandparents, or some would say step-grandparents. They didn't receive me as their own flesh and blood. And there were times growing up, it was very hurtful for me because they would say things like, you know, you are not one of us. You don't have the true blood in you. And they would say things like, you're never going to get our inheritance. Now, they had a lot of money. Um, what about something like Christmas, Hank? Uh, what was that like for you? Well, and, and that's, it was very painful for me. Here I am, a little kid, and of course I'm not bitter. I just I did experience the pain of not feeling like I belonged. And so they would constantly take the, you know, the four blood grandchildren, and they would you know, give them the bigger gifts or give them gifts. And there was times, because I wasn't their own flesh and blood, they would say, you know, you get a smaller gift, or uh, I would get a card at my birthday while I had to watch my brothers and sisters, you know, open up bigger presents and, and, and get money at times and, uh, you know, promised an inheritance that once the grandparents would go on. Well, what happened is nobody got any inheritance. My, my grandparents wound up uh, both needing uh, medical care and extended hospital stay, and they ate up all their inheritance. But growing up as a, as a kid, and I mean, I'm five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven years of age, and I'm wondering why am I being treated differently? I don't understand this. And what do you mean that I'm not part of your own flesh and blood? And and so growing up, that was very hurtful. I always wanted to feel like I was part of the family, and uh, I had to learn through those times that you know I couldn't get upset, I couldn't get bitter, but at the same time, there was times where I would go away and I would just cry in my room. Because I couldn't relate and understand, well, how, how am I different than my brothers and sisters? Why am I not a real flesh and blood uh, Kuhneman? And, and in that whole thing as a little child trying to process, raised in a non-Christian home at age five, you had a visitation. Yeah, that is the most amazing thing. And this is what I want to encourage people today. Even though you may grow up into uh, a family or a situation that you didn't ask for, you know, I didn't ask for it. I was a part of a, of a process that I didn't realize that Abba was working at that time. At the age of five, my dad was in the military, my stepdad here, and, and uh, he was in the military and he had orders to go to Guam. And I remember at the age of five, I heard a voice, and it was so tender and it was so sweet that I began to look around. I was on the driveway and uh, leaning on the back of our parents' car, my parents' car, and I heard this voice. And again, I'm talking in simple childlike terms. I heard this voice basically telling me, 
that I was that I was loved, and that uh, if I would do good and do good things and be nice to others, that there was a great plan for my life. Oh, we're out of time, but I think you've heard enough. You need his brand new book, literally just off the presses. My Heart Cries Abba, his three CD set, and we call this The Final Revelation, Father God, available for a gift of $35. Call our order-only line, 1-800-447-2697, I'm going to tell you something. On yesterday's broadcast, we found out uh, he was uh, uh, he had a stepfather uh, and he had a blended family, and he felt as if he really wasn't a kunaman uh, because it wasn't his natural father. But even more so, as a child, notices differences. His father's parents favored uh, the the, uh, the children that came from uh, his father's first marriage. Uh, and, and it hurt. Christmas time, Hank would see a difference. But in this maze of, com- com- I mean, we humans are so complex and all the emotions going on as a child and, and, and Hank sees these things going on. But even in the midst of all of this, at age five, God reaches down and speaks to him. And, uh, of course, he was raised in a non-Christian family. And uh, what did you make of this at age five, Hank, when God spoke to you? You know, what it did for me is it gave me an awareness and a hunger. It was like a seed that went into me that I began to search to know what that was and, 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 and who it was. And so, you know, things would happen. In fact, one of the things that was said to me, Growing up, I was a little little guy walking into the grocery store with my, um, you know, my would be my blood grand grandma. Uh, you know, people would stop me. You know, uh, some elderly uh, women who were shopping would stop, and they would say to my grandma, "That young man, God's hand is upon his life," and that would scare me. Not like, you know, I didn't think of it as the call. I thought his hand was upon me, and it would bring me back to those words that I was to do good and treat others. Nice, and even when I was being mistreated, you know, by even some of my brothers and sisters at times, and 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 my grandparents uh, that were, you know, the adoptive uh, grandparents, I, I stayed in an attitude the best that I knew how to, you know, treat people with honor and treat them with respect. But I'll tell you what I've learned, though: God is more than just a creator. He's more than just a biological parent. You know, he's not like some of us that, like my biological father who disappeared. You know, we have some that are listening today. They have fathers that have disappeared. They don't even know where they're at. Or maybe they do know where they're at, but they were left without a father. I mean, we have a generation that is raised with single parents. That's right. But you could tell by the first question recorded in Scripture that God wanted to be more than a creator. He, this is why I believe it's the follow revelation. What what was the first question in the garden? Adam, where are you? If he was more, if he didn't want to be more than a creator, he would have never asked the question, "Where are you?" And then go and and find his son who blown it, who blew it. And that's the thing. Sometimes we think, well, Kali, you know, our lives we've blown it, we've made mistakes. You know, we've been without a father. Or maybe we didn't grow up in the most ideal family. 
But God is the one, as Abba, he's always pursuing. We see this with the story of the prodigal son. It was the father that ran and kissed the, the young man, falling upon his, his, his neck and kissing him after the prodigal son blew it. And so, you know, I see this with, with Abba's love, and I see where this is very important revelation for today. Let me give you an example. You know, as I began to grow up in my home and, and things were heated, I used to sit back and think, well, how come my mom and dad, you know, they're allowing a lot of this to go on, you know, this divisiveness between the grandparents and, you know, you're not a real uh, blood relative, you, you are half or you're not at all. And, and that's not to fault them, but I, I couldn't understand why this was taking place. And so even my, my stepdad, you know, he was a tremendous man, very hard, hardworking uh, man. He would come underneath the protector and the provider type, you know, put a roof over your head, uh, put, put food in front of you. But there wasn't a lot of affirmation. In fact, Sid, I was never told growing up, uh, I never heard the words, and, I, and I'm not saying this to be divisive, I'm not saying this to be harsh, um, because my dad, the story, there's a good ending that I'd love to share with the listeners. But here's the point. I never heard the words, I love you. And that's... How important is that for a child to have that affirmation, to hear, I love you, from a parent? Well, the revelation of love. You know, we think about 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and we, you know, we always quote it, you know, that that's how we're supposed to be as Christians. You know, love is patient, love is kind, love doesn't boil over in jealousy. You know, love doesn't take an account of a suffered wrong. But if you think about what the Scripture says in the book of First John, it says that God is love. So the very essence and definition of love is who God is. And so when you read that in Corinthians, it's not just how we should be as loving Christians and, and, and people loving others, but it's God's revelation of who He is. You, you know what? I believe if you would read those characteristics of if God is love, what are the characteristics, not, uh, not necessarily our love, but of a God kind of love? And, and I believe as you read this, Hank, say it almost prophetically, and it's going to start healing people that are listening. Yeah, God is patient. God is kind. God is not prideful, arrogant, or conceited. God's love does not boil over in envy. God's love is is he doesn't take into account of a suffered wrong. And so the reason why I say this is because when you don't have that in your life from a parent, and, and all you're getting is, is, is the opposite, you're getting harsh. You know, my dad was never abusive, but he never showed uh, very often that affirming side of love, because he didn't know how. He, he came from a generation and, and from an upbringing that really didn't uh, emulate. You no, know, you know, I can really relate to what you're saying, because my father came from that same type of generation. Now, I know in retrospect, he loved me. However, he never said it. He never affirmed me to my memory. So I can really relate to what your, say, your background was, Hank. But see, that's the whole reason Jesus came into the earth. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. It's the very reason why the Pharisees got angry at him in John 8. They were accusing him of being illegitimate, because the revelation they had was God the Father as a corporate father, but not as a personal daddy. And it also upset the Pharisees that Jesus was using the word Abba. He was talking in their mind as a 
you know, small child um, that he wasn't using an older term for, for father, and he was also personalizing it. This is my dad. This is my father. And so, and I talk about that in my writing. Now, here's what's interesting. When Jesus rose from the dead, this is why affirmation is so important, that maybe some that are out there listening today saying, you know what, I can relate to you, Hank. I grew up, and I never heard the words, I love you, from my, my father. And now the Father is speaking out of heaven, and I believe He is speaking to this generation, and He is saying, I love you. I'm not mad at you. I affirm you. Yeah, you might have made mistakes, and yes, maybe you are making mistakes, but I, as your Father, am looking down, and I'm wanting to do what Jesus did with the children, because if you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father, and that is where He began to welcome the children into His lap, Jesus did. And I believe that the Father is calling people today to himself. He's reaching his arms out and pulling them and saying, come here. Maybe you have a, a, a father that disappeared. Maybe you don't even know who your biological father is. Maybe you're adopted. Maybe you have a step-parent. Maybe you had those that say you're not real flesh and blood. The beauty of it, Sid, is God is pulling his kids and those that he has created close to him, and he's wanting to pour his love, his affirmation. You know, I had teachers growing up, they told me, they said, don't public speak, you're not good at it. Don't write, you're not good at it. But today, Abba has graced my life to where I'm now able to stand uh, on platforms around the world preaching for him, and I'm able to write books just because somebody said we can't do something. Abba will affirm us. And I think that's the message that I want people to hear today is, yeah, we might go through things. Yes, we have hurts and pains, but if we'll turn over to the Lord and we'll call out to Abba and say, Abba, I need you, he'll affirm you. What what does the word Abba mean exactly? It means daddy or papa. It's a more intimate description. You know, if somebody said, well, what happens if I call God Abba? Here's what I said. Whatever you, Moses wanted to see the glory of God. And he said, Lord, show me your glory. And then God said, all right, here's how you're going to get my presence. See, Abba wants to hug his people. How does he hug people? He brings his presence. How do you bring that presence? Well, it's like a magnet. When you call God, that's why the Lord, when he appeared to Moses, he said, I will proclaim the name of the Lord. I am merciful and gracious, full of loving kindness and truth and goodness. So God was telling Moses, if you want to draw me to you, here's what you say. It's the same way today. If we want that affirmation that maybe we didn't get from our parents, we need to say, Abba. Hank, you were worked for your dad, uh, and you worked hard. Um, what was that like? Well, at, when my dad retired out of the, the, uh, the service, out of the Air Force, he opened up his own service station business, and I was just a young, uh, young boy, uh, preteen. My dad, the way that he would, he would express love, again, was no news or no affirmation was affirmation. His way of teaching was, was basically with very much of a command, a demand. He taught you once, you're supposed to get it once, or to do it right once. Now, being in the service station business, my fine motor skills, now that's not a pun, <laughs> but my motor skills was not very good. I was not very coordinated with my hands. I was not very good at things. Uh, it took me a while to understand instruction. So that's not good for somebody who maybe 
uh, didn't have the kind of patience to, <laughs> to handle. But the thing is, I would say things like, love you, Dad. He'd say, same here. And that was his way of saying, I love you. You know, and so my relationship with my dad growing up mostly was built around a working relationship. When I went out to play football and baseball, he was very busy working. He had to supply for seven kids. And so he never attended any of my games, and I certainly never held that against him. But, boy, when I'm watching other people having their their father in the stands or their mother in the stands, my parents were busy with work. Okay, let me jump you up to age 18. Uh, You're in your basement. You get saved. Tell me about when you were baptized in the Holy Spirit. Yeah, something happened to me. When I was 18 years of age, I got saved. I got spirit-filled shortly two months after that. And I was uh, praying in tongues the whole night. After I got filled with the Spirit of God, I couldn't stop. It's like somebody turned on this force of power, and I couldn't stop praying in tongues. I got caught up and had a vision of heaven, and I saw a throne room and people singing and worshiping, and a huge, bright light coming from this figure that was seated upon a throne. And I immediately began to, to fall down on my face in my bedroom. My mom was at the top of the stairs and was calling my name and did not know that I had a visitation happening from, from the Lord. And so that was the beginning of my journey, where things began to get very heated. And uh, but, but, I mean, you have the most amazing testimony. After you get saved, after you get radically, I mean radically, filled with the Holy Spirit, uh, you, must, you must have been, um, <laughs> I know how it was with me, I couldn't keep quiet about Jesus. Now you have a family that's not, not a church family, not, not uh, you know, uh, raised to believe in Jesus, uh, and... and uh, you you have a very severe case of acne. How bad yeah. was it? Yeah. Now, needing your affirmation from your father, having you know grand uh, the grandparents trying to divide the family, and then having severe acne on your face. I mean, if you want to have any kind of low self esteem, <laughs> lack of confidence, have severe acne on your face on top of it. But something happened. I was in the middle of a service. And, and the pastor of that church started having a word of knowledge. He said, somebody's being healed of acne. Somebody's being healed of blackheads. And he starts naming all of these different, uh, you know, different words for acne. And I'm sitting in the second row, and I didn't understand a word of knowledge. I didn't understand healing. I had just gotten saved. I'm thinking, look, you can't see that I'm in the second row? Like, this is really God. Well, then uh, a woman next to me, uh, a senior, an, an elderly woman, tapped me on the shoulder. She said, that man, he's speaking by God for you. God is healing your face. Something began to happen to my face that, that I went home. I was so excited. I told my dad without any manifestations on my face of, of any proof of healing. I said, dad, I'm going to be healed of my acne. He said these words, it'll be a cold day in hell if I'll believe in any of that stuff. And it just made matters worse. It just began to make him think more and more that I was in a cult. But something significant took place in a very short time, and I mean within days. It looked like somebody had taken their fingerprints and took both sides of my cheek and where the acne was on my face and touched both sides. And I began to see different circles appearing on my face like someone's fingerprints, and they were different sizes. You know, your thumb is is a lot bigger, if you you know, than your pinky. It right. looked like fingerprints. The Lord was touching and kissing my face. Within a short period of time, my acne began to disappear. 
nothing I tried worked before. So, so out of curiosity, uh, uh, I mean, and from what you're telling me, this was not a few pimples. This was severe acne. Yeah, it was, uh, it was very bad acne. Yeah. Oh, okay. What did your dad and mom think of that? Well, this furthered their their uh, their in their mind that I was in a cult, even though they were seeing the manifestation of this healing taking place on my face. My dad, he just could not come to terms that these kind of miracles would happen today. So I began to explain to him about the miracle power of God, explain to him about salvation. And we got into a very, very heated argument to the point where we were face-to-face. The next thing I know, we're in a physical confrontation, and it didn't end well. I remember picking myself up from the bottom of the stairs. He, he threw you down the stairs? Well, that's exactly what happened. This physical confrontation caused me. Yeah, we we uh, got into it pretty heavy to where I began to tumble down the stairs. But before that happened, he gave me this choice. And this is what I want people to understand. He said, I want you to deny this Jesus or get the hell out. Now, those were words that I, today, as I share it, I can still feel the, the pain and the shock of, you mean, deny Jesus. Now, my dad, he, he knew about Jesus in his own way. He wasn't really asking me to, quote, deny Jesus, but in his mind, he was saying, deny this cult that you're in. And he said, deny Jesus. And I knew I couldn't deny Jesus. He said, or get out, get the hell out. And before I knew it, Sid, I, I have tears streaming down my face. 18 years of age, just graduated out of high school, wanted my parents to understand the Christianity that I experienced. I immediately started packing my my clothes and, you know, grabbing whatever I could, and I left that night, and I drove. But but where where would you go? Did you have money? Anywhere to go. Did you have any money? No, I didn't have any money. And so I... I, How does an 18-year-old... Raised in a non-Christian home, makes such a bold stand for Jesus. How did you do it, Hank? You know, when I gave my heart to the Lord, it meant everything to me. And Jesus, you know, I found out later, blessed are those that leave houses and mothers and fathers and lands for my namesake. And so I knew I couldn't deny the Lord. And so I got in my car and I just began to drive. And I remembered that I had gone and visited a youth group two weeks prior, a different youth program, and somebody had given me their number and said, hey, if you ever need anything, just, you know, give me a call. That's the only number to someone in my new uh, found faith. I didn't have any other contacts. And so I called that number, and they just so happened to have somebody move out of their uh, apartment. And it was in a very, very bad part of the city to where, you know, gunshots would go off at night and, and, uh, all kinds of crime, and so it wasn't the most ideal. But at least, you ha- I mean, you had no money. You knew no one, so at least you had a place to stay. But what were, what were family times, like, say, Christmas, like for you when you were had left your mother and father? What was Christmas like? It was like this. I spent it by myself. I spent Christmas and Thanksgiving um in the holidays for several years by myself because my dad was, was very upset. The, uh, the relationship with my parents was strained. Now, your dad was a smoker, and he gets stage four 
cancer. Yeah. <laughs> what happened? This would, would have been, you know, obviously 20, 30-some years later. He, began, he begins to reach out. And again, his philosophy was it would be a cold day in hell before he'd believe in miracles. He gets healed. The doctors cannot believe that the cancer is disappearing from his body. They can't find the spots in his lungs. Here's how it happened. I'm sorry, Hank. We're out of time. We'll pick up right here on tomorrow's broadcast. But the package we're making available, it's called the final revelation. Father God, finally, just before the Messiah returns, the world is going to have a revelation of our awesome heavenly Father. But the flip side that is just as important is his name is Abba which means daddy. I mean, most Jews, most Catholics, uh, many Christians, they, they know about God being awesome and God, but they don't know about his tenderness. And Hank Kuhneman has been chosen by God to prophetically present the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation on the Father heart of God. And there's a generation, (laughs) many generations, that have never experienced the love of God being poured into them, never experienced crawling into Abba's lap. Well, his book and the three-CD set, available for a gift of $35, we call the package The Final Revelation, Father God. Call our order-only line, 1-800-447-2697, 1-800-447-2697. We want everyone, everywhere, to have a revelation of Father God. We've had the revelation of who the Holy Spirit is. And I'm so grateful for that revelation. We've had the revelation of the name of Jesus, who Jesus, the Son of God, is. And I'm so grateful for that revelation. But the world is ready to receive the final revelation, Father God. And Hank Kuhneman has a brand new book, literally just off the press, but the thing that goes with it, the three-CD set, that's three CDs in which he teaches on this subject and the book. It's available for $35, and everyone I know has had an imperfect father. Why? Because they had imperfect fathers. <laughs> and Hank had an imperfect father. Uh, his father did the best he knew, but he was like my dad. Uh, as kids, you just crave to have a father say, I love you. His father and my father never said, I love you. So he gets physically kicked out of the house, thrown down uh, a set of stairs, uh, no money, nowhere to go. But God gives him a place to live. And he's lonely. But then many years later, his stepdad develops stage four cancer, no hope, dying. And Hank asks his dad if he can have Richard Roberts pray for him. Now, I had him share that on yesterday's broadcast, but we ran out of time. I want to pick up 
just from yesterday's broadcast right now, uh, as Hank shared uh, when he started telling his father that he has a friend that if he prays for him, he believes he'll be healed. Go ahead. I told him, I said, Dad, I have somebody that has a healing ministry that can pray for you and that uh, has a healing ministry. He looked at me, raising one eyebrow. I said, his name is Richard Roberts. He's the son of Oral Roberts. My dad says, well, I know who Richard Oral Roberts is. He says, you know them? I said, Dad, they're not giving you a lot of options with the doctor. Richard was kind enough to call my dad, prayed for him. Now, now Richard, from what I understand, has a major anointing for things like cancer. Did you know that at the time? No, I didn't know it at the time. Like, okay, go ahead. He's having a great success rate. But my dad winds up getting healed. But here's what's even more beautiful. Richard Roberts leads my dad to the Lord. And my dad gets saved and gloriously turned around. And the words have always wanted to hear. My dad starts saying, not without me prodding him, not without me saying, you know, Dad, I love you. And then same here, my dad would look at me in my eyes and say, I love you. And he would start writing me letters. And at the end of the letters, he would say things like, I love Dad. And again, so this is very hard for me. I haven't really shared much about this before. And so uh, my dad wound up uh, just really a few months ago going home to be with the Lord. And uh, before he went home to be with Jesus, I knew when one of the prayers I prayed, and if people are listening to me today and they've had a horrible upbringing, or maybe they've had an upbringing where they're saying, you know, can God save my relatives? Yes, he can. And I prayed to God, and I said, God, don't let my dad depart this earth until I know 120% that he is saved. My dad said something to me. He said, Hank, I never used to believe in these miracles. Never used to believe in the supernatural stuff, but I do now. And he said, I guess hell's got quite a bit of ice hanging from it, doesn't it? I said, Dad, how do you know that? He said, because of my own life. And he began to ask me questions about heaven and what heaven would be like. And, and he apologized to me about, you know, some of our confrontations and, and how he treated me. And my dad went from a very hard military man who grew up without uh, not really a good example of love in his own life to now loving his son like he always wanted. And he began to receive Abba's love and began to show it. Okay. How about your mom? Did she come to the Lord? Yeah, my mom is gloriously saved, spirit-filled, on fire, serving in the church. In fact, even my dad... You know, this is so amazing. Abba changes people's lives. And my dad became such a loving, affirming, uh, tender man because Abba's love and revelation was working his heart. He began to watch us on Christian television, my wife and I, our program. He began to uh, watch our live stream services at our church. And, he, and I, he, he was so excited to watch the move of the Spirit of God. And so, you know, you know, I think about how the devil had you so sabotaged uh, that I don't even know how you had the faith to believe that your father and mother would be saved. But you know what, Hank, if God could do it for you and he's no respecter of persons, what can he do for the people listening to us right now? 
That's right. In fact, I hear the Spirit of the Lord say, there are some that are saying even this moment and even at this time, God, what about me? Do you see me, Lord? Do you know my situation? And the Lord would say, even as the Son of God had compassion upon the people, for they had nothing to eat for three days. And so it was that there was a multiplication, and there was an increase of the loaves and the fish, and it was distributed to the multitudes. And so Abba would say through the Spirit today that there is an increase, there is multiplication and blessing coming to those who have felt as though that they have been forgotten, that they're not being provided for. The Lord says, watch now and see, for Abba is gathering his people in this day and in this hour to himself to bless them. And so watch sudden surprises. Watch things that have seemed to be held back, and even the spirit of delay being broken. For watch and see, the greater blessings begin to come. For God is calling his people through Abba's love into a greater season of blessing, of increase, and of multiplication. And so the Lord says, open your heart and receive the love that now comes from your Abba. My goodness, I sure can feel the presence of God on that prophetic word. But Hank, Galatians 4, 6 is where you got the title of your book, My Heart Cries Abba. Tell me, what does Galatians say, and what does that mean? It's interesting because in the very moment after Adam sinned and Eve, God had a plan to rescue his sons. And the moment we call out to the Messiah, and we call upon Jesus, we are saved. The Bible says the Spirit immediately reconnects us to Abba, and the Spirit cries out, Abba, Father. And that word literally means with a great cry, uh, almost like a, a scream, loudly, he reconnects our spirit to our heavenly Abba. Hank, I use a word on my radio show, mishpacha, which is a Hebrew word. It means family. You say in your book, this is the whole thing God is up to. Explain. When God spoke these words, let us make man in our own image, we've often said, well, that's an image of, you know, we look like God. But I think it was something more than that. It wasn't just the image of a human or image of a man, because I've seen angels, okay? They look like us. Here's what I believe. It was the image of a family. And if you look at Proverbs 8, you can see where uh, it's talking about wisdom, about the Son of God being right there with the Father, creating. And so God was saying, let us make a family in our image, with Father, with Son, children, filled with the Spirit of God. And I believe that that is what the enemy has gone after. He's tried to divide homes. He's tried to create, you know, situations to where, you know, the fathers disappear or they're harsh, they're not there. And he tries to bring abortion. He tries to redefine marriage. And so that's why there's such an attack on this image that God spoke and desired when he created Adam. So in effect, the, the satanic strategy is... If the world and the devil can destroy mishpacha, family, and even Christian homes are being attacked in their families, uh, the, the world is attacking the family because that's the heart of God at this moment. Uh, 
what hope could you give a Christian family where it's divided? Some children have gone uh, into uh, humanism. Uh, Others have rejected Jesus. Others are into drugs and worldly lifestyle. What hope can God give this family? The hope that I give to those that are listening, Sid, is the very hope that I've been sharing all week. If God can save my dad, my mom, reach my family, and all the different things that I had to face, he can save anybody's family. And here's what I did. I kept praying to Abba, calling out to him for my family. And then here's another thing I did. I invested in other people's family as a, as a way of saying, God, if I will reach other people's family, then, Lord, you're going to reach my family. And so I want people never to get discouraged, never give up, and believe that you are in a situation or your family is too far uh, gone or too far to be touched or reached by the love of Abba. And I like something, too, Sid. Paul prays this prayer. He says, I bow my knees before my God and my Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, in whom both the family in heaven and earth is named. We are one big family, and God is about the family. Uh, Hank, uh, we're talking about your brand new book, literally just off the press, My Heart Cries Abba. Uh, Abba is is an Aramaic word, uh, Hank? Yeah, that's Aramaic, and then also uh, the Greek also meaning daddy or papa. I, I love it. And I also love that when you say Abba out loud with your own mouth, and that's everyone listening right now, often he shows up as your heavenly daddy. Uh, tell me how you got that title. I got that title after my own experiences, not only what I went through, what we've been talking about all week with my father, just feeling the need to be affirmed by God. And as I kept calling him Abba, I kept feeling his love, but something happened. My son, who's now 15 at the age of 10, five years ago, was uh, diagnosed type 1 diabetic. It rocked my world. I was feeling uh, like blaming myself, like maybe I didn't pray enough. Maybe, you know, I, I should have covered him more. And so I was really blaming myself. God, you know, this is because of me. Maybe I didn't do something right. Maybe I didn't pray enough. And I was really just calling out to God. And, and, and I heard the Lord say to me very clearly, he said, love on Abba, call on Abba. And so you know what I did? I just began. All I could say after my son was diagnosed and, and we were watching a little kid, you know, have to give himself shots because it's different than type 2 diabetes where they're, you know, it's diet. This was insulin dependent. I'm watching my 10-year-old have to give himself shots. I was so broken. I was so upset. And again, I'm a faith man. I believe in healing. But the only thing I could do was run to Abba's lap and let my heart cry out, Abba. And now we're seeing amazing things happening with my son. There is a work of healing happening in his body. And I believe it's because as I call out, my heart cries out to Abba, Abba comes and he's intervening for my son's life. And so that's how it came about. And and there's actually a scripture, Galatians 4, 6. What does it say? It says that uh, the Spirit cries out, Abba, Father. Once we say, Jesus, come into my heart, immediately the Spirit, the 
Spirit of God cries out within our spirits and reconnects us to our loving Heavenly Father and cries out the name Abba. Tell me a little bit about your prayer life. You say that you go into your prayer closet, so to speak, and you crawl into Abba's lap? Yes, I do. You know, when Moses and God, he said something to Moses. He said, meet me at a place called there. And I have a place that I literally set a time and I set a place where I go and I meet God. I have this ottoman and literally I just lay over the top of the ottoman and I literally see myself being pulled and wooed by Abba in his arms and in his love. And I can literally feel his presence so strong that others that have walked in the room can, can feel it too. I'll tell you what, I feel it now. What is Abba saying? I mean, you're, you're, you're a known prophet. I mean, some of, uh, some of the things that you, t- you stated uh, on our show and, and, and other shows about uh, there would be uh, uh, snow in Atlanta, and it snowed in Atlanta, and in, in, in strange places there would be uh, uh, in, in uh uh, some in Dallas, there'd be an ice storm. I mean, they, and these are kind of wild things you prophesied that came to pass. Uh, and and even uh, in the Middle East, there was snow after you said it would happen in, in in amazing places. But what is Abba saying to your heart right now for the future? The first thing that we have to understand is, arise, shine, the light has come. The glory of the Lord has risen upon thee. And darkness has covered the earth, and gross darkness the people. In other words, there's going to be a combination of, yes, doom and gloom, so to speak, evil, but God's glory. One of the ways that Allah shows his love is to reveal his goodness. His goodness and his glory go together. We're going to see political shakings. Specifically, watch the Middle East. There's a dissatisfaction that is happening with the younger generation of those in the Middle East who who have called on other gods, and they're finding out that those gods do not exist. And there is coming a spiritual awakening that will begin to take place in the Middle East like we've never seen before, especially among the young, where they're going to cry out and they're going to say Yeshua. And you're going to see more political world leaders that are going to begin to be removed by the hand of God. We need to watch Russia. We need to watch Syria. We need to watch Iran, because the Lord is not only putting his eye upon those nations, he's putting his hands upon those nations. And there will be some political uh, upheavals that God is going to deal with, and he's going to remove leaders. And you're going to see this as a sign, and it's going to be what Isaiah 6 reveals. When the prophet said, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. And as we see political leaders being removed, You're going to see it mark a prophetic meaning. It's like you're going to see some are going to be removed. Some are going to be removed harshly. Their end of days are not going to be good because of the way that they were harsh to the people that they ruled over. But it's going to mark in those territories a revealing and a manifestation of Abba's glory. The other thing we need to watch is currency. There's going to come a revaluing of gold. That is going to be very significant in these days. You're going to see God begin to supernaturally supply for his people. Even though there's going to be some shakings and reestablishing of currency, 
God is going to bring a stability to his people. I, I'm not sure I understand what you meant when you said about gold. Explain that uh, as God has, has shown you. What I see is I see the value of gold. There's going to be great uh, rediscoveries of gold. Remember how there was a gold rush years ago? There's going to be another gold rush. I kept seeing people uh, going and rushing to get gold, and it wasn't out of a fear. It was out of the supply of gold and gold becoming something of great value again. And and, and I saw the Lord just literally uh, not only causing gold to be discovered, but gold investing was going to be something that was going to carry a great benefit. Uh, did he show you anything about the United States? Yes. One of the things that I've seen in the United States, and here's the thing that's so important. The Lord is not, he said to me, I'm not listening to the prayers of many, for many are not praying. He said, I'm listening to the prayers of a few. And if Daniel, one man, can pray and cause uh, angelic release of Michael to deal with the prince, the spiritual principality, Persia and Grisha, what can one man's prayer do today to shift spiritual climate. So the spiritual climates over America are beginning to change. You're, that's why we're seeing strange weather. Where there's strange weather, it, it's marking there's a shifting of spiritual uh, climates. Principalities are being uh, shifted and rendered powerless in certain areas. They're not able to have the influence that they once had. But here's what the Lord said. He said, I'm, I've placed my hand already upon one who will arise in the land, who will be a deliverer and will cause this nation to come back on course again in many of the areas that we've gotten off course. And there's going to be changes in legislation. There's been some things that the Lord has watched that's been penned by the arrogancy of man through our, through our legislature and, and, and different things that have been legislated in arrogance and with an agenda. And God is going to come. He's going to use a deliverer to overturn much of, of this legislation. The other thing the Lord said is, like it says in the Scripture, that the, the era when judges ruled in the land. We've seen a lot of judges ruling and legislating from the bench in America. And God is getting ready, like he did with the seats, where he went in and the tables, and he overturned them into the te temple. God is getting ready to turn over seats. And we're going to see major political upheavals and turning over of seats. And people that have held on to certain political places and ruled, are going to begin to lose their seat. They're not going to be re-voted in. And there's going to be a new breed that's going to come. And even with judges, there's coming a shifting and a, and, and a change on the Supreme Court with two specific judges I see, and then a third. And you're going to see where it's going to, people are going to say, what is happening with the Supreme Court? But God is saying that the season where judges ruled in the land is coming to an end in the sense of how they legislate their own agendas or demonic agendas. Hank, last thought. Watch miracles. Miracles is going to be a word that they're going to start saying on television more and more. And the Lord on purpose is going to begin to show creative miracles, the increase and level of manifestation of his supernatural power and miracles is going to be unprecedented. And the secular media is even going to be forced to have to report and document what God is going to do. Paint me a quick picture. What kind of miracles are you talking about? I'm talking signs in the heavens, wonders on the earth. I'm talking where we're going to see literally things that doctors cannot explain, 
we're limbs growing out of bodies. I believe we're coming into that kind of, gra- if I could use the word, graphic manifestation, things that medical science will not be able to stop or explain. And my heart is, my heart, Hank, is to get that on TV on It's Supernatural, but I, I, and I want to see it on secular TV, which means I want to see It's Supernatural on secular TV. Oy vey, we're out of time again, but I want to make this package that we put together, his brand new book called My Heart Cries Abba, things in his three CDs he's never fully publicly shared before. The entire package is called The Final Revelation, Father God, available for a gift of $35. Shabbat broadcast. The Lord has already blessed you. Just take it. Just take it right now. The Lord, he's already smiled upon you. The Lord, he's already gifted you. Hold your hands out. Just grab those gifts. The Lord has already given you his favor. You're all surrounded with his favor right now. The Lord has already given you his shalom, his completeness in your spirit, in your soul, and in your body. In the name of the Sar Shalom, the Prince of Peace, Yeshua HaMashiach Sikenu, Jesus the Messiah, our righteousness. To place a credit card order for today's offer, call anytime at 1-800-447-2697. That's 1-800-447-2697. Or log on to our website at www.sidroth.com. To hear this week's interview or watch archives of our television show, It's Supernatural, visit our website at www.sidroth.org. That's www.sidroth.org. Discover how you can begin watching for free our 24-hour, 7-day-a-week TV network, ISN, the It's Supernatural Network. You can write me at Sid Roth, Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278. That's Sid Roth, Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278.